Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Snapshot for episode 27. A bit of a different episode this week because um, I am a little bit sick, so we're going to keeping, be keeping it short, just going over some news. We actually didn't get to cover much news at all in our last episode with Lambie, which did very, very well on YouTube, by the way, and uh, in the back-end podcast statistics. I just want to thank you all for listening to that. Lambie, um, big shout-out to him as well. It's, it's always great having him on the podcast. I think those are genuinely some of the best conversations we've had, but yeah, I was really happy to see that. Um, but <laughs> we had an entire, we had multiple pages of notes written out for that, for that podcast. We ended up talking about this. Yeah. Well, I guess it was me, but we talked we. about one He's saying this like I deserve any credit <laughs> for this. I don't deserve any credit for this. We. We literally talked about one bullet point, one bullet point, which was bounce, which is the, probably one of the most important, um, you know, important things happening in Marvel Snap right now. It's a very dominant deck and, you know, we'll, we'll, t- we'll get into it later. Anyway, Cam, your week in Marvel Snap, sir. Uh, honestly, it was pretty distracting because for those who are unaware during this week, my cat, uh, on on Monday, we took her to the vet. It was about a month after her previous vet visit. So my cat, it turned out had about 240 milliliters of fluid Mm -hmm. in her lungs. We got that removed. We spent more money than it cost me to get my shoulder cut open. Oh man. And now she is at home. We got the relatively good diagnosis or potential diagnosis of heart failure as opposed to FIP. And so I've been a bit of an emotional wreck. That said, in Marvel Snap, uh, I still did stream a couple times this week. And on those streams, I was able to rack up about 40 silver tickets and a couple mm. gold ones converting them. So uh, my my experience has just been that I feel like I'm in a little bit of a holding pattern until we see some balance changes, because I mm. think I kind of know what the best decks to play are. I think I know what I'm trying to get done. And because of that, it just it, it it's, you know, it's fine. I enjoy Marvel Snap. It's, it's a great game, but I can't wait for them to change up this meta just a bit. It's super interesting because I feel like as Snap players, we're so used to these, you know, this previous OTA schedule and just the sort of the very dynamic uh, meta that we've had in the past, I guess, month to couple months. Um, and right now probably is in, I guess, in recent memory, a bit of recency bias, one of the most stagnant meta we've, ha- we've had. I don't think it's necessarily a bad meta, but it there is really a dominant deck um, and you can feel it. It sort of permeates through all of the Conquest matches you play, probably Probably a lot of the ladder matches you play. And yeah, bounce is really ending up on top right now. Cam, I want to ask you about the, the season reset well, and conquest. I want to be specific though, like bounce, right? Okay, there, there are a couple things that are happening right now in Marvel Snap that I think are, are worth talking about. One, yes, the bounce deck is great, but the bounce deck with Invisible Woman, Killmonger, that's going to be the one that it just has very few bad matchups mm-hmm. across the board. And so like a lot of decks with Invisible Woman, Killmonger, Patriot with Invisible Woman, Killmonger and Shang-Chi or Darkhawk with Invisible Woman, Killmonger and Shang-Chi. All that stuff is real, right? And then the uh, other thing that's happening in Marvel Snap that is really worth talking about is uh, there's a bunch of bots on the ladder for everyone now. And now there's like eight million tweets about like, oh, I made infinite with this deck. It's broken. And it's like the worst piece of shit you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, I mean, thank God Conquest exists. I mean, Con- Conquest 5.0 is is a good filter for uh for some playable decks. But I, I was going to ask you about that because I also encountered a lot of bots and I figured it was maybe because I played more louder than I usually do last season because I was prepping for the um the CCUK. But uh, so 
sounds like what you've heard from your chat and your own experience. I'm seeing it consistently. Yeah. Like, it's not like high ELO stuff or anything. It's just like, there's a bunch of bots now. Yeah. Just a ton. And it's not even in high ELO, like my rank, I am seeing bots that lose on purpose. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. So not gigabrain bots. Um, yeah. yeah, I've been, I've been, I ran into. So I played up till about eighty something. I've been a little bit sick, but um, yeah, I was like, it was like fifty percent of my matches. Like, okay, I guess I just crossed yeah. this new boundary last season where I went into the no. new bot elo. But it seemed, yeah, I guess seventy everybody. I want to. That's just everywhere. Like everyone is in bot elo now. You reset to seventy three as well this season. Was that everybody? Yes. Yeah, you did it correct. Do you th so was that I must have missed it. Last season was a was a was a mistake mistake. Yeah, I was actually kind of hoping that it wouldn't that would not happen. Um, wh which one do you prefer? Even though the last one was a mistake, which one do you prefer? Do you prefer going down 30 or being reset back to 73? I loved I loved going down 30 because it meant I didn't have to play ladder. <laughs> Instant <laughs> like because at this point, like like I, I there are so many just like just awful decks. And I was like, oh, you're sleeping on this. I had a 70. I had a 60 percent win rate. It's like, look, my win rate from 73 to infinite was 75 percent. And mm. frankly, in bot ELO, if you're playing a good deck and you have below a 75 percent win rate, your deck isn't good. Like that's. Yeah. That's like that's that's sort of where where my thought process are right now. Like seventy five is the new fifty. If you have like an okay record on ladder right now, climbing up to a hundred, I just assume that like your actual deck is like ten games under five hundred, and your bots are what are putting that over five hundred. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder if it is the the bot situation is a mistake, or if that is sort of the new norm. I, I would hate to get back into this, you know, back where we were before. But that being said, post infinite. Um, I'm, I'm actually not even infinite yet because I haven't been playing. What uh, what is the situation? Is it back to is it how it was last season? Are you playing almost like ninety? I haven't played players? a single game. <laughs> Both of us, yeah. But I have heard that there are bots there too. Oh, bummer! That's... Which makes it like that. That was why I was just like, all right, I'm not doing it. I'm playing conquest. We're done. We hit a hundred. I'm out. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we do have conquest, but that that's a bummer that 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 they sort of maybe backtracked into that uh, the bot elo or the the Mm -hmm. the number of bots post infinite that's that's a weird situation anyway um in regards to conquest how do you feel about conquest season two per se um with the rewards are you were you surprised i know i was surprised that the border was the same i, I don't know if they you know they specified that they had that because, was known like yeah. you being surprised by that is you being not plugged in uh, fair enough but do you think that season to season maybe the border should change or should it be the same one i think that for a mode that right now is, I think, relatively sweaty, even mm. though the rewards aren't necessarily there for it, I think they hit a really good sweet spot, right? Like, maybe they should make them look a little cooler, you mm. know? Yeah. Maybe make maybe make the, maybe twist them up a bit, make, make it more clear that you got, like, the special fancy boy border. But, no, I don't think they should... People keep coming up with suggestions for like, let's make Conquest harder. Let's make Conquest more exclusive. And like, personally, I just don't like any of those suggestions. I enjoy what Conquest is. Yeah, it's a fun mode right now. Let it be fun. Like, Just just stop trying to make it a tournament. It will never be a tournament. It's leagues in Magic Online. It's not a tournament. You want something hyper competitive? Go play one of those. Yeah, I think to play devil's advocate. I do think I would have a more fulfilling experience, although I acknowledge that I'm an outlier um, and maybe how much I play Conquest um, to have at least one sort of pinnacle thing to grind for each season to try to go for that 5-0. Um, 
you know, just a, a different cosmetic, maybe a different border. But like you said, that would probably make a lot of people angry because getting five zero is genuinely challenging hard. to do. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, like I, I saw really good players struggling with it, and I don't want people to like. If you're not going to give any loss allowance, it's entirely possible for you to be extremely good and just not get there. And, mm. you know, that sucks. It's a sucky thing to experience. And I think it's especially something that I'm sensitive to, because like one of the things that will happen with me uh, as a content creator is people will come in and use me as a barometer yeah. for like how many tickets is a good amount of tickets to have. Right. Like, hey, man, how many infinite tickets you got? And what they're really looking for is validation that they have more infinite tickets than me. And I, I, I guess I'm sensitive to the idea of those kind of cosmetics because there'll be someone that will come in like, hey, many, how many of these monthly cosmetics mm. you got? And she's like, do we have to do it like this? I don't know if that's a problem that anyone else can really relate to. Mm. But uh, it is it is definitely one of the, the things that sticks out for me is I don't want to feel like I have to have this or I'm less than. Mm. And I, I kind of, for that reason, enjoy the fact that, like, yeah, it's just it's an infinite border. Maybe make it look a little cooler. Maybe like for like six, maybe do it in like six months increments. Here's here's the infinite border for this six months. But doing it for one month, I don't know. So, I, we already have like exclusive card backs for the season and stuff like that. I, I just I think that already exists. So I think I can infer your stance on it, but I want to ask you a philosophical question because Hearthstone did this recently. They came out with a tavern mode that rewarded a, um, a uh, portrait. You know, you had to go 12-0, which is like ridiculous. Uh, I think it was standard as well. Uh, and people were really angry. Um, even though it was a cosmetic that didn't previously exist in the game, now came into the game and this was the way you could get it, right? But players, what do you think about players feeling entitled to a, sort of a cosmetic or award that is meant to serve as aspirational content, right? It's meant to, it's meant to maybe not serve the entire community, right? Like it's the five O, it's the twelve O, it's it's that big thing That's, that you strive for. Do you think that that does it does it add too much negativity into like the the psychology of playing the game? Do you think that those things are net bad for the game? No, I just think that's not the actual issue, right? Like, what sucks about having to go, I don't know, twelve O or whatever is that even if you're really good and you don't accomplish it, people are going to use it to knock you down, mm. right? That's what sucks about that situation is if like you're you're a really good player, like for me going 11 and one is like not that far off going 12 and 0. Like it's, I, I know that sounds weird, but if you go 11 and one twice, you're probably doing better than someone who went 12 and 0 and then like 0 and 12, you yeah. know, like you're probably a better player. But it doesn't represent that. And I think, you know, on some level, that's like every card game thing, right? No card games are fair in the small sample size that they're played in. They're not really like always going to be representative. But I think it feels a lot worse if you're someone who wraps yourself worth up in that or has yourself worth wrapped up in that. If you're someone who's like, oh, I'm a good player. You should listen to me. And you don't have this 12 win cosmetic because you got a monkey or whatever yeah we just talked about it on twitter that's right nice. it's like we use the 5-0 as a filter to pay attention to decks and yeah. even though like someone could go 13 and 3 right and lose yeah. the last match every single time i mean that player is probably better than the person that went 5-4 right where they went 5-0 yeah. and then they went oh 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 <laughs> yeah like yeah. um yeah it's it's a, it's a weird little it's a weird little sort of dynamic in the game i wonder you know, if ultimately, I mean, this is, it's probably just too, too, asp or too aspirational or theoretical, but like the paradigm shift should really happen with, with the player base to not be attached to these cosmetics as sort of a validation, right? But still have them as this carrot on the stick that we can strive for. Anyway, 
I digress. Um, let's talk about the card, the card acquisition changes because they're huge. Um, I'm going to try to read through this. Like I said, I wrote these notes last week, but basically we're swapping over to collector's caches. Gold is completely gone. Um, these caches will come in, uh, you know, at a time and there will be, what's, do you know the exact, uh, the exact cadence and which new caches and no. rotate? Well, yeah. no, I know the Kate, not the exact cadence. It's every mm-hmm. 10, mm-hmm. but we don't know where that starts. There are going to be people who are going to be like, all right, let me wait. Let me wait until I see where the exact locations are and then open up around them before I update the game. I don't know if they're going to have anything put in there to stop you from doing that. Mm. Uh, But I I do think I do think that is a play you can make. Mm. Yeah. So, well, let's let's prelude that tip with something. The big tip is you can actually save up your your caches. It's so funny that this system still exists because they've they've repeatedly said, yeah, in the future, that won't be a thing. But they said that months ago and we've been banking up caches to sort of try to take advantage of these kind of systems when they roll out new card acquisition or some sort of like variant uh, blitz or something like that. Uh, But anyway, you can be saving up those caches. So we do switch over um you will have the seasonal caches saved up like they don't snapshot as collector's caches um anyway there'll be like a few series four series five cards that come in them um like i said gold is totally gone i'll just go ahead and read it out in the collection track every 120 cl you will have a new spotlight cast okay i'm talked about trying to snipe it and opening up around basically every 10th collector's reserve will become a spotlight cache each week you can preview four cards that will be featured in the spotlight cache it will contain one newly released card two series four slash five cards chosen by second dinner and a random series four slash five card can be one you don't own or duplicate you do own each of the four cards has an equal 25 percent chance to obtain uh, to be obtained by opening the box once you gain a reward it is removed from the box and the remaining rewards are split evenly um split evenly to be opened so like the chances are now even each week a new set of four cards will launch if you obtain each card from that week's set a new set of variants um so the spotlight caches are never empty the first three variants so you can now open variants will be spotlight variants so these are special variants um and a mystery card will be a premium mystery variant and a premium mystery variant is just a variant that is 1200 tokens that's not true oh it's not that's what i read it's it's a variant that is not pixel oh really <laughs> yes that's hilarious <laughs> yes it is a variant that is either 12 or 700 but not pixel wow what about for the people that love pixels what the hell <laughs> they are getting destroyed oh okay so if you own any of the cards displayed during the week you'll see spotlight variants some are time exclusive picked by secondary we kind of talked about that the mystery card will give you premium mystery variant instead of a new card you already own that rolls for you you can get duplicates. The premium mystery variants um, are similar to typical, but yeah, this is what I said. But they can they can contain ultra rare twelve hundred gold variants and exclude Damn. pixels. I should have bolded the exclude pixels because that is hilarious. Um, currently, this is what we talked about. You can hoard spotlight caches, the current caches, and open them when the spotlight week uh, during the spotlight week resets um, and favors you more. You can also hoard cache reserves now until the update launches. Every tenth box will turn into a spotlight cache. So there is the, the strategy. So bullet points, goals being removed, series four slash five drops are also being removed. The amount of tokens you can get from, uh, from reserve rewards are being reduced from an average of 5,000 per month to 800. If you're a series three complete, the replacement reward is now 50 tokens down from 100. Cam, what are your thoughts on this change overall? Thumbs up. Generally speaking, uh, for someone like me, I think it's close to a side grade where I don't, I have like every card anyway. So I'm just going to be, you know, 
I'm going to be uh, investing my 40 boxes into getting a new card the same way I would invest 40 boxes into getting a new card. Now, the issue, I think, is I used to be able to, like, buy bundles for tokens. And as long as that continues, I won't really feel, you know, any type of way about this. I think a lot of people the real there are two real downsides to this mm -hmm. new situation. So I do want to say overall review thumbs up for sure. Yeah. Downside number one. The fourth item in every box is a huge pain point because that card, it can be anything. It can be something you own. And if you get it, it'll be not even a special variant for that thing that you own. Right. So instead of opening the new card, like instead of opening Jean Grey, you could very easily open like a variant for snow guard or something. Right. And not like a good variant for snow guard, like a 700 gold variant for snow guard. And so that's like a huge pain point. Like the downgrade in rate there is super, super significant because you have, you know, new cards, special premium variants, and then, oh yeah, this, this is a 700 gold variant, right? Like there's a huge, huge, huge gap, right? Like even if you're a player who only values new cards, you still probably value the exclusive variants over a 700 gold one. Like you're mm -hmm. still probably feeling some type of way about that. And so that's pain point number one. Pain point number two is that it lets you be stupid. <laughs> Under the current system, you can't be stupid with your tokens. They cost 6,000. So you open your 40 boxes, you get your 5,000 or whatever tokens, you invest your gold into your collection track, you get more tokens, you do Token Tuesday, you get 6,000 tokens, you get the card you want. Here's the thing. Now, if you have three boxes, you might just gamble. You might just gamble that 75 percenter. They, you, like, the new system gives you the freedom to be dumb. And that means it also gives you the freedom to end up in those bad outcome scenarios. Because, of course, one out of every four people is going to lose a 75 percenter. That could be you. And so if you end up gambling and losing, you're going to think, oh, my God, this system fucking sucks. I got two variants that are super cool, but for cards I don't care about. And uh, a, a card that like a 700 gold variant for, I don't know, null. Null's a good card, though. Gas card. Sure. <laughs> I um one thing I'll say from my point of view. So I'm sitting on I'm sitting on about 25,000 collector tokens. Um, and that was I kind of accumulated that through initially. For real? Yes. Jesus. So I kind of accumulated that through whaling initially. But then I just bought. You know, Token Tuesday, I bought like a gotcha banner here, you know, not even really for the tokens. And I'm just kind of sitting on them. So when I look at something like this and I see the reduction of 5,000 per month till 800, I feel like in a way, the value of these tokens that I've accumulated through opening the previous collector's reserve is actually gone up a bit because there's so much harder to get. Um, I also think that this new system will actually incentivize me to Maybe spend money because like, right, I haven't spent money in a long time. Maybe there's a variant uh, bundle that pops up or there's something that I like and I'll grab it. But outside of that, once I became complete in my collection, I, I just never really spent again. And the reason why I have that many tokens is because of a sort of a paradigm we've talked about a lot, which is, you know, I accumulated them expecting to maybe buy series five cards and then I don't. I just don't buy them. I only buy them if they're broken. <laughs> if they're not, I just wait. And with the series four and series five going away, you know, the drops, it's uh it's just an interesting spot. I, I do think that with if we maintain the current system, me as this 
very, you know, very much an outlier, right? I wailed quite a bit to get into that tokens. This might incentivize me to actually spend money again, which I don't know if I'm happy about, but with the old system, I actually I think your tokens get less value. Okay, let's hear it. What are you going to use them on? Can you not buy them with tokens at all? No, you can, okay. but like you're probably just going to open them anyway. What are you going to use them on? I guess. See, that's the thing. Is like now I'm incentivized to just open the collectors, res- like the the right, actual reserves. Right, like like you have all these tokens. You have twenty five thousand tokens. You know what? You're about to buy five ultimate variants, brother. Provino Thanos. Let's go. Like five. Like if you if you like that's the thing. Like if you if you have all these tokens, yeah, you can go get Jean Grey, or you can just you know do the smart thing because that's what you're gonna do anyway, right? Yeah. You're gonna look ahead and be like, I want this card. I want this card. Okay, I'm gonna save my boxes. I'll open Jean Grey. I I don't care about legion you know and then you'll just open gene gray from that and guess what you're not going to spend the tokens on legion because you're i know you and so now you're in a situation where you just have all these tokens and they just exist they don't do much for you because i do think if you just like pick and choose you know one or two cards a month you're going to be able to get them anyway yeah I, this with the new system you also need credits where the, the old system i guess you did need credits for yes. the free to play stuff but you like, did yeah, like where did your tokens come from they came from credits mm-hmm. that's yeah. like that's how well, you got them actually with uh, the exception of buying them directly you would be surprised at how many of those came from not credits it's actually a lot there are <laughs> a lot of pay to win banners in marvel snap um they have cool variants so i buy them um it's an interesting system i i think overall uh from what i've seen it's like a, a net positive at least somewhat you know mathematically jedi line tricks whoever's done that run the numbers they've come back and they said thumbs up like this is, this is generally good i've seen us. i've seen conflicting numbers but I, I will say i saw some uh i would say misleading numbers in okay. the early days okay some some numbers that i think overstated the downsides of the new system and i don't want to speculate on motivations because i don't really know them but I, I do think that once people were able to really dig into the math, it became clear that, you know, for the most part, this was a pretty significant buff to basically anyone who's not in my situation and roughly mm. a side grade, depending on how bundles shape up in the future for someone who is in my situation. Yeah, definitely. I, I think with the the previous system, it was broken in so many levels too, because it was so prohibitively expensive to acquire a collection. It took so much time. Um, and, like we weren't buying series five cards and that's like, I mean, I, I, I have a little token because I, I, what? I, what I bought this? silk cause I wanted silk the rebate card. Silk's a good card. I dude. wanted the rebate and I still haven't gotten my rebate. Where's my thousand tokens? I uh, I think I got that. I don't know if they issued it, but Wait, silk seriously? is, silk is a two five is a gas card. People sleep on silk. That's a, I'm a big silk believer. Um, anyway, that those changes are coming soon. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about the meta right now. Uh, what do you expect mm. for nerfs? What kind of changes do you think will come and, and what would you what would you hope to see? The cards that need nerfs are the hardest cards to nerf, right? Yeah. How do you nerf Kitty Pride and not destroy her? How do you nerf Hitmonkey and not destroy him? Hmm. I, 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 cards like High Evo, I think that one's actually pretty fixable, right? High Evo, you just make Wasp only hit one thing, and then you say, okay, Hulk, it gets a static plus two, and then plus one per soak, right? Easy. Easy. You that That's easy. Yeah. That's easy. You can easily solve Evo. I don't know how you solve Bounce. <sighs> 
I don't know how you solve Kitty Pride existing. Yeah. Is it is Kitty Pride so Kitty Pride I think is the it's like the genesis of the problem, right? But the supporting cards in Bounce are also just really good. <laughs> like we we've talked about I mean it before too. even before Kitty was back, right? I was playing a beast uh hit monkey She-Hulk uh Moon Girl deck, right? Yeah. It was one of very few decks that had a good win rate against the Black Bolt stature decks, right? For the same reason that Bounce now does. It just goes bigger, right? And that is, I think, you know, I'm not saying Canary in the Coal Mine or whatever, but Hitmonkey's been ridiculous for a while. Yeah. And I do think, you know, maybe take a look at Hitmonkey and Kitty Pride. I get that they're really hard to actually do balance changes to, but like, yeesh, they are big numbers for not big mana. <laughs> Yeah, the thing about Kitty is I feel like Kitty is actually affected by Wave in a sense, right? Like, you still play the Kitty on 6 if it's like 10 power or whatever, but it does limit what you can do on 6. The thing about the the, the Hit Monkey stuff is you just play it on 5 and it's freaking ridiculous. I wonder, It's still huge, right? Yeah, I wonder if uh, if Bast is a core issue. Bast is the Bounce. third one. Yeah. Bast, Bast is not a core issue, but she's the third one. After those two, Bast is, is the next one up. Yeah, hit monkey fix is pretty easy, right? Like, I think you maybe just make it plus one. So, kind of like the. the I don't know. I think that's kind of like killing him. Too too big. How would you do it? it have, does it have that's a the max problem. Buff? Like that's that's the thing, right? Like the the numbers on these cards. Like, this is why it's so hard to balance cheap cards in this game, mm-hmm. because the numbers on them only have a couple levers. You can't really pull. Yeah. You can't really. You don't have a lot of freedom, the right? I've talked too. a lot about how much I enjoy the four cost balance in this game, because there's so many little four costs that have their own little side quests you have to complete to make them good. Right. And you can't really do that as much with early cost cards because there's just fewer levers to pull. Right. You take hit monkey to mm. plus one. It's immediately terrible. So like, what do you do? You go like hit monkey to plus one and then you make it a one cost card. Is that, is that like, how do you keep it good? Like you can destroy it. I can think of a million ways to destroy the card. Kitty's another one. It's like, what do you do? You start her at like minus one. That doesn't even necessarily do anything. <laughs> it just makes it more punishing when you don't draw her. Makes her more reliant on Bast. It like there are not a lot of ways to make these cards more balanced other than blowing them up or raising their downsides significantly. And all that means is that like your game becomes more polarized around did you draw them when your downside wasn't significant, right? Yeah. Did you draw the kitty on one becomes even more important. Did you draw bass becomes even more important. And it's just like this is this is going to be a problem that recurs because cheap cards are hard to balance because you cannot put as many numbers on them as you can with a higher, a more expensive card. Yeah. The reason that bounce is overpowered is because numbers the num- number too big with bounce like the number is simply yeah. too big the fact that you can play the shang chi you can put the tech card in there and you're still the best point slam deck at least on the delta is too much and the f- i mean this is another problem i don't know if this would nerf bounce enough but if bounce some was had to get priority for the the power kitty pride was accumulating that would definitely no. ugh, i don't know it just yeah, all those tech cards cool, being but use- like first like that's enough. like that's just like such a ridiculous thing to do right because yeah. it's like saying hey rework the game yeah, yeah, yeah. to make specifically this meta better you know that like little upkeep step that kitty pride works in yeah okay change it entirely go back and take those two months you took to add that step to how the game works and then do it again because we're too, we'd rather do that than just nerf kitty pride 
Yeah. Like, I just don't think that's a realistic solution. I think you're, I mean, you're definitely correct, right? That's not going to happen. And it's way too technically complicated and it's, it's definitely overkill. But when I think about things that make bounce over power that are maybe not a hundred percent intended is like they, when they were formulating how powerful can this, this, this deck possibly be? What can people do with this card? They probably weren't thinking like, Oh yeah, well they're accumulating this like increasing advantage throughout the game, but also dodging every single deck card that exists. It's like, so yes. I, they can't fix well, it. I mean, to be fair, I mean the, the invisible woman killmonger, like they, they're not dodging everything anymore. True. It's just, there's a limited number of decks and I, I think, honestly, there's a limited number of decks that want to try and yeah. a limited number of people who really want to put the effort into beating bounce when everyone just sort of expects like, OK, this is going away soon, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's true. It's true. People do expect the uh, people really do expect the nerf to hit. It's just it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to guess what it what it might be. The funny thing about bounce is that it's one of those decks where it's like, Yes, it can be beaten. You can play the counter deck, mm -hmm. but the counter decks are so narrow. <laughs> like they are not super great into everything else and they're not very well. Evo Lockdown decks. still beats it. Yeah. Like Evo Lockdown, yeah, absolutely still beats it, right? Like I think there are decks that like reasonably can be played into it. It's just they have some other really horrific matchups in the meta, you know? And that that's how it works sometimes. Yeah. Definitely. All right, Cam, the new season, we had Rise of the Phoenix come out. Um, what are your thoughts on the card Phoenix Force, which is a 5-6, says on reveal, revive one of your destroyed cards and merge with it. That card can move each turn. Have you been able to experiment with this card at all? Mid. <laughs> Mid. Our this card is so... Yeah, they're going to love that. You might have to turn it down. They are, the card is so mediocre. Uh, I guess I can't really be mad, though. Like some season pass cards have to be mediocre. It's OK. Nimrod's finally getting his time to shine like four months out. Right. It happens. Uh, this is a card that has a lot of small interactions that suck. And I'm not saying if you fixed all the small interactions that suck, it would magically be a competitive card, but it'd be like a notably better one. One of them that I came across, for example, is if one thing has died and you put a Phoenix Force into Bar Sinister, uh, only one Phoenix Force will be able to move because the merge only happens with the one Phoenix Force, and that is a prerequisite for it moving. Another weird, shitty interaction that I came across <laughs> with this card was I was playing it with uh, Black Panther Zola with the idea being you go Electro, Black Panther, Zola, and then you'd have a Phoenix Force that was a Black Panther in that third lane. Seems pretty hard to beat, right? So, you know, it is kind of hard to beat, but also it doesn't work the way you want. What happens is the Phoenix Force happens, the Black Panther on reveal happens, and then you merge. So instead of getting, you know, eight power from the Black Panther plus six power from the Phoenix Force doubled up to 28, what you get instead is the Phoenix Force is six power doubled plus eight, which is like 22. And it's just like, why? Why was that actually so broken that it needed to happen that way? I, I, I don't really get it. <laughs> There's just a bunch of situations like that where it's like, Outside of specifically, I blew up multiple man or human torch. And even then, it's like a little iffy because if it's human torch, you're going to die to Killmonger. Good luck with that <laughs> one, buddy. But like, it, like outside of specifically that, it's just not a card that does stuff. Yeah, doesn't really feel like a marquee card that you would build a lot of decks like around. I mean, it, it's cool. It's cool. But 
you know, they, they've sort of historically kind of pushed it a little bit with the season pass cards. We did see a change of design philosophy after Zabu and Silver Surfer. We saw some more reasonable ones. Like we, I said. mean, Hitmonkey came out pretty quickly after that. I'd say Nimrod no, was, no one, no one was reasonable. Was good. Yeah, Hitmonkey's good. Hitmonkey's good, but Hitmonkey came out after they took out Kitty Pride, which is not a prerequisite to play Hitmonkey, but it's it's good with Hitmonkey. Let's be real. Um, but Nimrod also... and. Definitely more powerful now after I got the stat bonus. So I'm happy that these season passes exist, but I'll tell you, Cam, and I think you'll you'll giggle at my at my testing process with Phoenix with Phoenix Farm. And it was uh it was like, hmm, Phoenix Force. It was like, hmm, this card looks kind of ass. I'll just let Cam test it. He's a content creator. He'll tell me how it is. <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh I hate to break it to you, but it is kind of ass. Mm. Sucks. True. A lot of people kind of come. I saw a lot of talk on Twitter, and you know how talk on Twitter is. But people were complaining a bit about this, uh, this, this season's um, infinite border. Do you have any thoughts, or is it just like get over it, guys? What the card back? Yeah, they don't like it. They think that the the season pass one is inf- is much much better. Right? Oh no, I actually like the card back. See, I might be the only person who likes the card back, but like the the, the Phoenix Force season pass thing is just it's so gaudy. It's yeah. it's like the it's like the it's, have you ever seen pictures of the inside of Donald Trump's house? No. Where it's just like all this, it's just gold. And it's like, oh my God, man. Like, Jesus. It's just like gold on gold on gold. And it's like, I get what you're going for, but like, fucking chill out, man. And like, that's that's the that's the vibe that the Phoenix Force card back has for me. It's just like, okay, I get it. I get it. It's like, but I that is so much. There is so much on there. There's so many bright things happening there. Give me something minimalistic, stripped down. I like that. Yeah, actually, uh, I didn't care for either of them too much, but I also the infinite board, the infinite card back is is cool because it's exclusive. I think that you know if this one is not is not sort of your flavor, it's okay because ultimately, yeah, I think most people like those borders is because basically people. off the off off the fundamental the fundamental ideology that other people can't have it, so this is the cool one. <laughs> People are such fucking liars about their motivations when it comes to stuff like this. In the beta, the only kind of variants you could not purchase in the shop were pixel variants. Mm. It was the only kind. So they were the unique ones. You had to open them on the collection track or That's in hilarious. the I uh, did not season know that pass. Nugget. And hilarious. people liked them then. It was like, whoa, I got a pixel variant. I remember this because I got a pixel spectrum. It was like, whoa, pixel spectrum. That's rare. And now pixel variants are the most common. Everyone's like, oh, they're fucking suck. But it's like, no, 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 no. They, they may suck, but you think they suck because they're common, not because they suck. Mm. <laughs> I, I did not know that little nugget of knowledge. That is hilarious. Yep. <laughs> that is that's really funny. Um, let's talk about, is there any cards coming out this month that you want to talk about, at least coming out in this Phoenix Force season, Jean Grey, Echo, uh, Legion, and Mirage? I mean, all of them. Let's go through all of them. Okay, so we'll start with Jean Grey, 3-3, ongoing. Players must play their first card here each turn, if possible. This is the card that's probably been the most hyped, and it's because it just does something incredibly weird, right? Like, it does something incredibly weird that looks very powerful, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to experiment with it, but it's such a game-warping and unique effect that it's Mm. hard to know what the actual impact it will have is until later each turn it is pretty wild do you do you see yourself playing this what kind of deck is it in a sarah deck or like where do you see yourself playing this card 
it's in a deck that mitigates the downside. So I think a lot of people see like three, three. Oh, we're playing Silver Surfer, right? But yeah. you, you're not you're not doing Silver Surfer there because then that means your turn four and your turn five have to go there because you're only playing one card on either of those turns, right? So like maybe you are. What I think it really will make Jean Grey good or not is what your opponents are attempting to do, right? That's the kind of thing that will determine whether or not she's good. It's sort of like Spider Ham, where like. You put Spider-Ham in your deck, you need a good reason for it. Like, I'm running Spider-Ham in my Lockjaw deck right now because I want to hit opposing Iron Man and Shang-Chi out of the bounce deck, right? You need to have a specific reason why you're doing this. Mm. And I think Jean is one of those cards where you need a reason why you're playing Jean. You don't just play her just to play her, I think. Uh, because I would expect when she comes out, most people aren't going to be playing decks that they're sad to see her, right? So you need to have a reason to play her. Hmm. Yeah, very interesting. I was just sorry. I went down the theory crafting rabbit hole that turned out to be booty cheeks, but I was like, oh, is this the new Cosmo and Shuri or something? <laughs> to like, you know, force them to play a Shang Chi on your armor lane. Doesn't work, by the way, because you have to play a Taskmaster there as well. It's gonna suck. I mean, it does. It doesn't work for like eight million reasons. Well, most of them being that, that, that was Shuri the also hole. only plays one card a turn. <laughs> that was the rabbit hole. It was like, no, this like, is you. You need to be a deck that is comfortable playing a bunch of cards in a turn. Right. A deck that is if you're comfortable playing on Morag Mm -hmm. and you think your opponents are not going to be comfortable playing on Morag, this is a good card. But like one thing that's really interesting to me right now is like, you know. Lockjaw decks have a lot of free cards running around, might minimize her impact, given there's like Mjolnir's and Lord knows what's running around out of those decks right now. So they're 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 very comfortable playing on Morag, honestly. Interesting. And any deck that goes like super wide also is kind of comfortable doing that. Like if you're a Doctor Doom deck, you don't really care if you're playing Doctor Doom on the gene lane. You're fine with that. You're still getting your stuff. If you're a Patriot Ultron deck, you don't really care. You also run Wasp, so you have the flexibility to like put that zero cost in there and then play your six drop like that. That I think is going to be the real thing that like makes her. I think a little bit worse than she reads is the amount of zero cost cards in the meta. Mm. Yeah. So think about the lockjaw thing. So you would play this. You can't play this in the, I mean, you could play this and then lockjaw on four, I guess. Right. Cause you can't play it in the lockjaw only cause it gets cycled. And usually you play oh, no, no, no. I mean, against lockjaw. Against what I'm saying lockjaw. is like, like, like that, like the fact that lockjaw is such a popular thing right now means that Jean gray, like that's one matchup where it's like, is this even, is this, is this, is this anything other than a card that screws me over? Like that's, because yeah. like you got to think about stuff like that. Like it's not just like you get to run this card for free. You need to run this card to gain an advantage. Sure. And so while I do think she is the most exciting card of these, I think she's also like like I was really. Let me put it this way: I thought Spider Man twenty ninety nine was one of the most exciting cards of last month. Right? Mm. Like exciting, not the me same too. thing as fitting. Right? Mm. It's not the same thing. And I think Jean is definitely the card that I'm the most excited to try to mess around with. But I, I also think, you know, it's entirely possible that it's just a miss right now because there's too much zero cost in the meta. And that makes yeah. her hard. If you're not restricting your opponent more than you're restricting yourself, you don't want to play the card. Yeah. Assuming I'm not playing bounce, the way I evaluate Jean Grey is I look at that card and I say, if my opponent played this against me, it looks like it'd be pretty annoying. It looks like a lot mm-hmm. of decks I would play, I'd be like, this is f- pretty bad for me. Like, genuinely quite terrible. right but like when you look at like the okay bounce lockjaw yeah 
So how bad is it actually? It's a big lull if I'm playing those decks, but nerfs, right? right? <laughs> nerfs are coming. <laughs> That's the issue, right? Like it's like like when you look at like specifically the decks that are, I would say, a, like what do we think those? Like if you're going to play Conquest, you should be prepared to play those like what fifty percent of the time, at a least. lot, right? And so it's like, okay, how good is this really? (laughs) And then then the real question is like, what are the cases where she's good? And the cases where she's good are like when there's not a lot of that stuff in the meta in like a bunch of weird mid range mirrors where like you're like, yeah, you're playing her and then like wave or something and keeping their power low or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of things I'm interested in. Right. But. I think she might fit in Sandman, maybe, uh, as a deck that is just comfortable doing something Ooh. like, yeah, I'm going to yeah. play Jean Grey into Sandman, but like, how do you fit her you in your curve, right? Yeah, it's tough. Because so like, like Sandman is the kind of deck that would want her mm-hmm. because you could do like, you know, you could capitalize on it by doing just like Doom Odin, and mm-hmm. that, right? Like, that's the basic thing that you want to be doing with Jean. But like, it, can you do that without playing Ramp? Yeah, you can't, <laughs> like, can't not play the, the It's just a very, it's a very weird at a very weird cost because like there are decks that do things that she would want to fit in but it's hard to fit her in those decks because of the requirements that they already have like is is she ever just better than sandman in those decks i don't know like i i like i i there there are just like interesting questions to ask she's definitely unique mm. and cool but until like it, she's a card that can only be evaluated in context yes and right now my fear is that the context is not great for her mm. until something is until, you know, bounce lockjaw, like until this stuff is not until there's not a bunch of extremely cheap, extremely powerful stuff everywhere. Mm, definitely. Jean Grey. It's a, uh, it's definitely an innocuous card. It might be one of those cards is the, it's actually, it might be deemed unpowerful for a time after it's released and actually, you know, be discovered uh, later. Like, the card it reminds me the most about is something like Shadow King, which is not very a very good card, but it's a cool toolbox card to have if you're heading into a narrow meta like a tournament. Like those are some of the cards you right. look at, or like these kind of cards. Because this card, I mean, like like we sort of mentioned a few times, like it could hose your opponent if they're on the right deck. Um, so it's it's definitely here's a, fun here's, a one. here's a place I do want to play her in. Yeah, I want to play her in Thanos. Okay. Yeah, yeah I just of, feel like you can afford it. Yeah, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, like literally, I just feel like you can afford it, and Thanos can run like all sorts of junk, and no one can prove it's bad. <laughs> like, you can, you can just, just put her in Thanos. It's probably fine. Oh, yeah. That's, mm. wanna, that's what I want to do. Reminds me of the time that Thanos used to play Quinjet that would make your stones cost zero. That was pretty good. Mm. That was pretty <laughs> Those good. Those were the days. Anyway, on to Echo. Echo is a one, two. After opponent plays an ongoing card here, remove its abilities. What are you saying for this one? I can't tell, man. This card, I feel every bone in my body is like, yeah, this card is terrible. Okay. <laughs> every, every bone in my body is like, this is this is awful. This is like it's a it's a one two that does nothing in probably 70 percent of games. But there are going to be it's another thing where it's like if you're ever in the market for this effect, it'll be pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I'm not saying I'm not saying Ghost is actually good, but there I've played a Ghost deck before. So I. It's completely terrible now, but like you know, I've done it. There are situations where that is what is called for. Like if you want, a, like if you're playing, for example, here's the situation. Here's the Ghost deck I was playing. It was a a Thanos list that's like a Valkyrie Spectrum list. So yeah, you totally want to play Ghost in there. It helps your Valkyries. It's an ongoing card for Spectrum. It's great. It's it's a great fit there. 
it's not a great fit anywhere else. One of the questions I get a lot when I talk about like the Invisible Woman decks is like, well, why wouldn't you want to play Ghost? It's like a backup Invisible Woman. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like a really shitty Invisible Woman. <laughs> it's like it's like an Invisible Woman that loses to their Invisible Woman. It's like absolutely terrible and it dies to Killmonger. Mm-hmm. And Echo, I just sort of feel like there might be a situation where what she gives is what you need. If you're playing Wong and you want to protect yourself from Cosmo and you can figure out a way to do like you put the you put the you put the the the, you put her there first and they have no other ongoing things. And then you go like Wong, White Tiger, Odin. Like, yeah, that's 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 the thing, right? Like it's there are use cases for this card. Um, And depending on, you know, especially like the Wong stuff is like, yo, that's actually pretty good, right? Like Wong White Tiger Odin is still just a very powerful thing to be doing. I mean, granted, you're still losing to Lake Magneto. You're still losing to Arrow. You're losing to even Polaris pulling the fucking (laughs) Echo off, actually. But like there are things that you can try to do with this card. Just everything in me, every like one, two that isn't getting you instant value not good has enough. just been terrible right yeah just like absolute garbage like there's no there's no precedent for a card like this being good and that worries me that said you know there may be specific times when you want to play the card mm-hmm. i think that this card is um i think it will be bad i think it'll be bad on ladder you know be a bad on conquest but if we if we end up in a hyper narrow meta and this, yeah. this has some use case. And it'll be, this is a toolbox card. I feel like this is kind of like Jean Grey, but even more toolbox than Jean Grey. Um, I'm happy this card exists. It makes you know deck building a lot more interesting when you are sort of competing in those more narrow metas, whether it's you're, you're going for the 5-0 Conquest and you can reasonably expect a certain deck, or you are preparing for a tournament. These are cool cards to have access to. But um, yeah, I don't think this is going to come out and be, be a banger. Next one, Legion, 5-7, on reveal. Replace each other location with this one. This card is going to suck, but it's also going to win people games. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> this card this card is going to be like not a card you can ever reasonably run in your deck. I have not found any real way to actually abuse it. I know the thing everyone's going to jump to is, okay, you play it with Storm. But here's the problem. Huh. You play Storm on four. You play Legion on five. The issue with that is when you copy the Storm flooding location, it gets delayed a turn. So yeah. what that means is those flooded locations will close up and your opponents will no longer be able to play cards there after turn six, which is unfortunately the last turn of the game anyway. So it's not doing things here. So it without a way for it to be a part of your deck's game plan, mm-hmm. what you're doing with this card is you are YOLOing it. Yeah. You are just like ripping it into your deck and being like, I'm a fucking get someone. <laughs> <laughs> And you, you definitely will this. get someone eventually. <laughs> I'm going to get someone with this. And the question just becomes like how uh, how often you are actually able to capitalize on these locations. I do think that there is a chance mm. that that ends up being more than I think mm. that the average game has a location that Legion is super good on more than I think it does. I think it is possible. Oh, but that's yep. It seems like a stretch. Just like fundamentally, well, the like idea. think about think about like okay, like there are other stuff here. Like think about like okay, it opens up kiln, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of cool. It gets rid of death's domain. It's location control, right? It's not just so, something you use offensively, but it's something you use defensively. Yeah. Let's 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 switch let's switch the um 
Switch the thinking. Yeah. Switch the paradigm, right? Instead of using it offensively, what if every single game you could pretty much you're doing it on turn five this thing you could pretty much guarantee that on turn six every location will favor you because you you get to pick one right. out of three yeah. like what if what if it's just people have always wondered like what if it's just what if this is just the card that turns everything into ruins right is that ever good enough turk i think that's the actual paradigm that you want to approach legion in because like it's not like you can do anything broken with him but if you're a deck that's like you know i can take my turn five to make sure that i'm not getting fucked by locations like that's suddenly I, I actually talking through this like that actually seems like, OK, maybe that's actually like kind of a real thing, right? Yeah. Like five, about- seven. I'm getting rid of like anything bad, right? Yeah. I Anything bad for me, I get rid of it and anything good for me, I get it right. That that seems good, actually. Right. Like that seems that I just seems think that the- like, it's, like especially because it's like turn five, your opponent is already counting on that shit. They are like, oh, I won that kiln. Oh, I'm going to win this death's domain. And then it's not any of those again. I think this card might just be too expensive. Like on turn five, I think it, it might, might, be, a, a might be a little late. Um, but I do think that it's like that is a powerful concept. Is like, oh, I get to pick one out of three every single game and flip locations to my favor. Even if it's yeah. neutral or, you know, flip them favorable or neutral. But because it's on turn five. You, you know, you, you're literally playing a five, seven on turn five and your opponent plays, you know, some, your opponent plays hit monkey, Mysterio, fucking, you know, vomit power, right? And you play yeah. five, seven and then it's turn six and like yes. you have a bunch of ruins and your opponent's like, okay, Iron Man kitty. <laughs> it's like, okay. Okay. What if you play this in your kitty deck so you don't get shit on by locations? Yeah, I thought about that because I was thinking about bounce, right? And what does bounce lose to more than anything else? Honestly, more than it loses to tech decks is locations, <laughs> like just yep. bad location. I still think about this like Legion, like people talk about Legion with Storm, Legion counter Storm. Nice could, fucking flooded location, dude. It's not flooded anymore. You could play this in. Um, maybe <laughs> I'm you talking pl- myself into this card, <laughs> dude. Maybe you could play it in bounce, but you would, you know, obviously you would lose the insulation against the wave. Like most bounce decks are sure. points. No, I'm with five. you. But like, like I, I'm really, I'm actually talking myself into this. I think, I think I, it's, I think I, it's a reasonable, it's like, honestly, it's not like, it's not as toolboxy or anything like that is like echo. The question is, is, is having that favor for a single turn? Cause you're only going to have it for turn six while playing a suboptimal turn five, a five, seven. Is that enough? Like, is that enough? And if the answer is yes, the card is good enough. If it's not, it falls into, you know, it goes where every other card in Marvel Stop goes to die, which is like, it's just too low power. It's just like, it's too, yep. you to lose too much tempo. Um, I think that the random, there's like a randomness to this card. And I think if you're looking at this card as a random card, like as a heavy RNG card, you're viewing it the wrong way. Because I think that if you're like, I'm going to take this card and I'm going to juice my opponent with like some random location that flips up that's very bad for them. That's not the use case. The use case is like you get one out of three, which is pretty reasonable. And your turn six is all favorable locations. Favorable or neutral, mind you. Or neutral. I I mean, I also think the use case is just like absolutely fucking over people that are counting on. Like there are a lot of people like, like, you know. We play Jeff in the bounce deck sometimes. The idea is it just wins the mirror when there's a bad location, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of thinking along those lines. They're just like, you know, we're just going to, if there's a bad location, we're going to take advantage of it. A lot of like assumptions that are made. And suddenly, like, like especially like getting stormed, like opening up that location mm-hmm. again is yeah. legitimately, legitimately a powerful thing to be doing. Yeah. Cool card. It, it, it's cool design. All right. Last one. This one, I think, I think this one might be the, 
the most normal card. <laughs> Mirage, 2-2. Two, two. says, on reveal, copy the lowest card in your opponent's hand. Give it plus two power. I think this card's actually kind of decent. Yeah, it's good. It's just good on it's I don't decent know exactly. on stats. Yeah, it's like a 2-4 that draws you a card, right? Like that's that's probably pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That's that's like uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of super into that. Like a 2-4 that draws you a card. That's a really powerful thing to be doing, especially since it's a card that for the most part you're going to be wanting to play. Mm. And I guess there's some situations where they're not happening, but like when you think about the one-cost cards, the two-cost cards that see play, they're usually not things that are super restrictive, right? You're copying a Thanos stone with three power. You're yeah. copying, you know, probably not a Kitty Pride because that's on the board, but like an Ice Fan or a Spider Ham. And like, that, yeah, you're, that's probably pretty good. Like, I, I think she's probably pretty good. I just don't know if she's like, you know. Whoa, <laughs> incredible. I got Mirage. She's like a marginal upgrade. And yeah. frankly, I think the two cost spot needed it. Uh, there's a lot of just absolute ass two cost cards that I yeah. somehow ha sometimes have to play, and I might be playing Mirage instead of them. I feel like the two cost slot is like one of the most nerfed slots in Marvel Snap. That, and I guess maybe one cost as well, but two cost is like they hit the Lizard. Um, what was the other? They hit the Mysterio. They hit the Angela. They always hit the two cost. That's why we have these booty cheeks two cost cards. I think if this card is one more power, it would be absolutely busted out of his mind like if this card you, is one more power it's number. like the best two cost card in the game right yeah. like if it's just like if this card is one cost one one more power it's eating maria hill's lunch dude. yeah exactly and so the thing about yeah the two evaluating this as a two four pretty reliable if you're if your deck isn't playing really hardcore and curve but uh it's hard to get it over that two four minimum it's like how valuable I mean, is drawing four, like I, well, you would you would play a 2-2 that said draw a card, as long as it was a card from your deck, right? Mm -hmm. So the downside here is that it's a card from their deck, right? And so I, you know, the context that's going to define her is how often is getting one of their cards actually good? How often is it good, and how often is it better than running a different two-cost card? Because like I don't think necessarily she's going to be replacing Jeff, mm -hmm. but there are going to be situations where it's like, all right, I'm about to get their Jeff. And it's going to be a two five. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I think you I'm about to get their nebula and it's going to be bigger. I'm about to get like when you think about the things that she is actually getting a lot of the time, they're usually pretty good. So I think you uh, I wonder if you have to evaluate Mirage by thinking this, assuming it's going to hit like a three cost. Your opponent plays on curve, three cost list card in their hand. I wonder. I actually think that Mirage is. Very well supported by Quinjet, right? Because, you know, if you're not hitting the one cost, you get a lot of value off that Quinjet, reducing it by one value. And now you're looking, let's say it was a Jeff, right? A 1-5 Jeff. That's ridiculous. Like, that is Pretty so good. bonkers. Um, yeah, I could see it. I could see it. If you can find a deck that can run Quinjet, whether it's a Thanos deck or, um, I guess, one of these Darkhawk decks with Moon Girl, or not Darkhawk, but Dino decks with Moon Girl, um, I can see it. I think that it's it's probably the most clearly powerful card that's coming out in this season. I, I don't know if it's clearly powerful. It's the one that I understand the most, right? Yeah. Like that. Like I, I don't think I don't think saying clearly powerful is the right way to phrase it. I think it's just this is the one that has the most analogs that we have the least amount of figuring out to do with. We just know what this is, and it looks like it's pretty good. The question is, how good is pretty good? Mm -hmm. mm. All right. So full circle. I just want to say, and I'll get your thoughts as well. All these cards coming out this month, it's actually, it's a bit, I feel, it feels different 
than sort of the 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 batches of cards we've gotten in past seasons. And I'm pretty happy with it that none of them feel busted must buys like this is gonna break the game, no high stuff like that. But all these cards seem like they are stretching design like a little bit. They're like they're actually changing the way you could fundamentally interact with the game, which is cool. I feel like that's the way we expand in Marvel Snap than trying to get a card that just does, you know, plus more power for plus X efficiency, right? Like these cards are cool. I mean, that's have. Mirage, to be fair. It is. Mirage like, is just like, hey, that's it's, why it's like, like kind of a two for the draws a card. Yay. Well, yeah. And to be fair, we also went through all the other cards. We're like, mm, you know, I don't know about the card we see Mirage. We're like, okay, that card's okay. We're like, that, uh, this card's okay. It we're looks excited. pretty okay. <laughs> yeah. It looks like, it looks like uh, above par is yeah. basically like where I would put her, right? Like the range is, she's probably never going to be like, oh, this is awful, but she might not always be like, you know, the greatest card of all time. I, I'm actually, I think if I were to say which one of these cards that I am, I think not necessarily the most excited for, but like the most likely to see play would probably be her just because I think her downside chances are very low. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Awesome. Well, anything else you want to, you want to wrap up with before we close out for the week? And how'd you, how'd you like the new view? I'm, I'm head on here. I'm looking, but like, I'm also, I was still looking down for a lot of, I don't know. How, let me know in the comments how you liked the new view. You like the, 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 the the stairge you like that let me know it's funny because the your shirt also has someone doing the same stare exactly i think it looks good awesome well um yeah a bit of a bit of a shorter i guess we, we said it was going to be shorter this week but then it was never shorter because yeah, it's never you it's, it never happened. it's never shorter um anyway uh, sorry, I kind of we didn't have a we didn't have a review this week. Basically, if you want to review the podcast, the number one thing you can do to help us out, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash snapshot, um, or you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Again, it helps us very, very much. There's video version of this on YouTube, youtube.com slash at the underscore snapshot. Hit that like and subscribe while you're there. We're climbing slowly, but we're doing it and we're advertising. And despite all you people who think we're not, Twitter, Brendan APG, Canvas. Crazy. I'm trying. I'm trying. Cam best MS. Um, Cam, your Twitch schedule. God only knows because of the cat <laughs> stuff and because my girlfriend's birthday is uh, Monday. Yeah. My schedule has been completely obliterated, but hopefully we'll get back to 6 p.m. and just go, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday with like a break day in there or something like that. You know, that's that's sort of what I'm aiming for next week. Hopefully. There'll be some fun stuff to experiment with. Hopefully Jean Grey doesn't like hopefully Jean Grey gives me a good couple days of, you know, playing around. Right. So I'll be back on Twitch the first day of the new. You know, the new acquisition system, mm-hmm. and I have 70 boxes. 70. We're going to be opening some boxes. I thought I had a lot. Holy cow. Well, if it's not Jean Grey, have... it will be the it will be the balanced nurse that that should we should. Yes, we will see a shakeup in Marvel Snap very, very soon, although. I don't hate this meta. It is just the most uh, consistent is a word we could use. That we've it's had fine. I'm just a little bored. Exactly. It's really all there is. That's like, because- it's fine. It's actually pretty balanced. I'm just a little bored. Yeah, that's the thing about Marvel Snap is like we just we've been spoiled. This is no other card games function like this. Other card games, you're stuck in those metas for three months, four months, maybe six months. You know, it's crazy. Uh, anyway, thank you all so much for listening. See you next week.